Did the Bizarro World podcast get the Boeing CEO fired? Relax, we did not get the Boeing CEO fired, but he is out of here. Impeachment, who cares? Democratic debates, who cares? Religious charity, we'll talk about that. Record highs in the major U.S. indices, surprise, surprise. Not if you've been listening to us for the past year or so. We're going to talk bond fixing, we're going to talk corporate tax avoidance, and we're going to be as brief as possible because you probably don't want to hear me ranting and raving through your Christmas holiday. I am Gerardo Del Real, along with my co-host, the witty, the smart, the insightful, Mr. Nick Hodge. This is episode 49 of Bizarro World. Nick, how are you today, sir? I'm doing good, Gerardo. Have I introduced you to my friend, Tina? You have, but um, I would love to meet Tina once again. Can you refresh those of us or those of the listening crowd that is not familiar with Miss Tina? So that uh, Tina is the acronym for there is no alternative, which is why the U.S. indices continue to hit record highs. I was just looking, I think the stock market as represented by the S&P has gone down one time in the last eight or nine trading days. So the stock market just goes up. VIX is flat. The T-VIX had to roll back. Those are all signs that volatility is in the very back of everyone's mind and it should not be. Absolutely agree. Um, I am very encouraged pivoting real quick because we want to be respectful of everybody's holiday week. Um, to the gold market, silver, I can't help but notice that silver is up um, over a percent today. It's at 1742 an ounce. Gold is pushing back towards 1500 at 1484. Copper's pushing 280 at 279. Um, even crude oil's at 60, 60 bucks a barrel. So, you know, all this in, in, in the context of record setting highs in the major U.S. indices, you mentioned um, eight of the last nine days trading positive, you know, the NASDAQ is going for nine days in a row. And so going into 2020, um, it looks like we're set for a Q1 rebound, especially in the sector that we speculate in heavily, uh, the junior resource sector. It looks like we're heading for a Q1 of 2020 that's going to be very, very robust. There's names that we've repeatedly talked about here on this podcast that, yes, they're still down for the year, but they're making 30, 40, 50% moves in a matter of the last couple of days. The Hannon Metals of the world. Um, you know, Abacus Mining is up over 100% over the past couple of weeks. And I, I, I could go on, I could continue, but I think uh, 2020 is finally the year where the last several years of pain is rewarded. Thoughts on that front, Nick? Well, it better be, because if not, I'm quitting this podcast in 2021. <laughs> You're willing to ride out 2020? <laughs> That's it. That's it. That's my, it's my cutoff point. And we got to draw a line in the sand somewhere. We keep saying next year and next year and next year. But no, I'm with you. I think 2020 is finally the year. There's been some um, explosions, not just in price, as you mentioned, over the past couple of days, but in volume as well. People that were waiting to the very bitter end of tax law season to um, show their hand or make their move or whatever you want to say. Um, the last day of tax loss is the 27th this year, because, of course, your trade has to close and settle um, in the tax year to be viable as a tax loss. So, um, I think everybody's just trying to get it done before Christmas hits in the next two days. I certainly have sent out some alerts. I've done a bit of reshuffling in my own portfolio. 
Um, and I'm excited about, about what's ahead next year, not only because um, of the fundamentals that we recite over and over, um, you know, depletion of reserves and the five, six-year bull market and the negative rates, et cetera, et cetera, but also because some companies that I've been following for a, a long time and, and have significant positions in are also approaching some um, very important catalysts, um, whether that's, you know, um, a new resource for revival or the draft EIS for um, Midas or, you know, whatever it is, there's some very important milestones that should be hit in 2020 that could um, line up nicely with what should be a good year in the space. So I'm excited about it. I am excited as well. You know what people are not excited about and could care less? Impeachment. You remember all the all the, uh, the memes and, you know, all the Facebook bots and the Twitter bots and, you know, if you impeach Trump, get your guns and all of that. He got impeached. Nobody cares. I I don't see, you know, violence in the streets. Have you, have you seen, you're in Washington, you know, it's a hotbed of uh, certain parts of Washington, right? Eastern Washington. I saw an article recently about a lawmaker there that, that should be indicted on domestic terrorism charges, but has not, you know, he's, he's actually still a lawmaker. Even his own party is calling him to step down. But have you seen a hotbed of civil war action in Washington, Nick, since the impeachment? Not from one side <laughs> or the other, right? It's Nobody sort of been, shit. I don't, right. I mean, if you're for impeachment or you're pro-Trump, if you're a MAGA person, it's really been a, a muted response on both sides. And, um, well, two points, I guess. One, I certainly fall in that camp. I sort of had that glazed over look in my eyes. And we kind of, we've talked about this, right? Like how much coverage can you dedicate to the thing? We know that he's being impeached. We knew the vote was coming up, but you know, like I, I told you, the New York Times started its um, own newsletter just to cover impeachment, and we were so bombarded with it that I think we were just sort of, and we is just the American populace here, is we were just sort of jaded with the news, right? We we were tired of hearing about it. And then the second point would be, I think we all know the eventual outcome, right? There's 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 sort of a, a very slim, 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 slim chance that anything happens in this with the Senate, and then we're all going to move on. So it's sort of an exercise in futility to to begin with, which is sort of, I think everyone knew that. And so we're going to be back to business um, here in the new year. And I guess I'll add a third point. Um, you know, it's obviously going to be politicized. You would talk, to, uh, I, the Democrats talk about not making this uh, uh, political thing. It's it's we got to do it because it's what's right for the country. We can't let Trump get away with these things. And all those things may be true. But then here you have um, it being very much politicized in that Pelosi is talking about maybe not sending it for a vote to the Senate or delaying sending it to the Senate so they can have a trial. And so it's very much a political football. And I think people are just tired of political footballs. And so um, they want real governance. They want um, laws to be made that 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 help their pocketbook and that help their day to day lives, and they sort of know Trump is an asshole and and, and don't need the the House and Senate to tell them. So um, I don't think many people um, have paid as much attention as as some pundits might have thought they would. Petty Pelosi playing political football. You like the alliteration right before Christmas, Nick? I love it. I love it. I love it. <laughs> If you, if you throw in some onomatopoeia, I'll really be impressed. Uh oh, uh oh, we only got a few minutes left, Nick. We'll see what we can sneak in there. Um, <laughs> here, I'll I'll piss some people off now because this is going to be an abbreviated podcast. Uh, did you see the Christianity Today op-ed that basically said 
you know what, we're not going to stand behind President Trump. He is an immoral piece of shit is basically what the editorial said. And and we're not going to go ahead and, and continue to pretend like he's not. He should absolutely step down. Did you catch that at all? Um, you're the, 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 the Christian fundamentalist thing. I saw the headline and I think he's lost a lot of supporters and, um, people that have supported him have also been voted out. I was reading some statistic this week about, I think it was like 40% of Republicans in the house and the Senate have either lost their seat or, or stepped down since yes. Trump has been in office. So, um, people are, people are voting and, and they don't like the Trumpster. And you and I keep saying that we think he's going to get in office again. And I continue to think that, but, um, obviously a lot of people don't like him, including some longtime supporters. So, and you know what, it's good for people to, to not have to, um, you know, feel constrained to what, yes. um, <laughs> other people think their ideology has to be right. It's like, just as is life. A, yes. As a in fundamentalist life, Christian doesn't mean I got to support Trump. Right. No, that's sort of my point as well. Like don't ascribe to a certain philosophy or, or way of thinking just because you're supposed to, or other people think you're supposed to. Absolutely. Um, the, the cheesiest, most salacious headline from that little debacle there was, uh, the New York Post, as usual. You want to hear the headline? <laughs> Let me hear it. Evangelicals crucify Christianity Today president over scathing Trump editorial. <laughs> mm. So rich, so rich, so rich. Um, let's talk Boeing because I don't want them to get away. I had a I had a month and a half cat and mouse dance with Boeing um, saying that they were criminally negligent. Um, I went back and forth three times, I believe on this podcast, three weeks in a row, I believe I said we were going to get to Boeing and how strongly I felt about, um, the criminal liability that they should be subjected to three weeks in a row. I didn't get to it. Finally got to it a couple of weeks ago. And lo and behold, here we go. Boeing has fired its CEO. They did so over the weekend, um, effective immediately. And so I think that. It is an acknowledgement publicly, finally, from Boeing that there were obviously uh, some missteps, to say the least. Ralph Nader, longtime consumer um, advocate, came out and said, you know, they're criminally negligent. The whole board needs to go. You know, these guys are making $300,000 a year to do what? They're obviously not being on top of safety and they're not looking out for passengers. And if you want to keep it to just shareholders, they're not looking over shareholder interest very, very um, wisely or astutely. So I say all that to say, I still believe the company should fall under some sort of criminal penalty. Um, I don't think that that will happen because of the stranglehold that corporations have over politics in America via lobbyists. We've talked about that extensively on this podcast, but anyhow, at the very least, um, the CEO is out of there. Any thoughts, any comments? Well, he likely should have been a, a while ago. I mean, not only was it a botched rollout clearly of this, the production of this new plane, um, but they knew about it in many instances. And then you wait until you have multiple crashes and losses of life. And then, you know, things just, um, get worse from there, right? You have to, you're dealing with the fallout of, of plane crashes. And there was some scandal there that we talked about and they weren't trying to give the um, Asian families as, as much money as they might've deserved if it were based on an American scale. And then you have a slide in the stock price, um, of course. And um, 
in this in a year where the rest of the stock market is up like 30, 40%, right? And so somebody's got to be held accountable. And it's it's not just uh, something that's affected Boeing. If you look at, you know, the rest of the airline industry, Southwest has been affected because they had so many of these planes that have remained grounded. They've had to scramble for planes and rearrange staff. And so, um, of course, someone had to be held accountable. It took way too long as it typically does, but glad to see it. Let's talk um, the defense bill. $700 billion now has been passed in defense spending. Um, a person, a politician, AOC, who routinely gets called out um, for lavish bills that she would like to introduce, the Green New Deal, right? That's a trillion, the multiple trillions of dollars, um, dollar deal that addresses climate change. Um, she gets called out for that, but she voted no on this thing. And not only did she vote no, she did something I really liked. She called out fellow Democrats and said, you know, the bottom line is the things that I propose when I propose um, bills for education, college, these are public goods. Um, she says, I don't want to hear the term free stuff ever again. And if you're going to call investing in libraries and public education and infrastructure as free stuff, then we need to start calling some of this defense spending free stuff as well, right? And I think that, you know, for all the Tea Party vitriol that President Obama got for increasing the budget and the deficit, and let's be clear, he absolutely did um, and got a Nobel Peace Prize at a time where he was escalating the bombing of, you know, places that frankly should not have been getting bombed the way they were getting bombed, not from the publicly available information anyway. Um, but that's just accelerated under President Trump in this administration. And so, you know, some of the things that the bill goes for, the defense spending uh, being increased, I agree with some I don't. Pay raises for service members, absolutely agree. I think they're way underpaid. 12-week paid parental leave, absolutely. Should be at the very least 12 weeks. Um, Donald Trump's Space Force, yeah, that's a whole different conversation, right? And if we're really concerned about um, the deficit and getting our house in order, then there's no way that we should be kicking off um, new missions, right, um, with undefined targets and not tangible outcomes. And so, you know, at, at some point in this country, we're going to have to deal with the math. And the math says we're not going to be able to grow ourselves or restrain ourselves out of this deficit. And we've talked about this at length. The Eurozone goes first. Japan's been doing it for 30 years. Um, there's other places that are in more dire straits. But at some point in this country, here in the U.S., we got to do one of two things. Either let's spend to all hell and let's get free college and let's get free healthcare because it doesn't matter. We're likely to default in the end anyway. So let's get some of these public goods for everybody or let's let's rein it in, tighten it up. And if that's the case, then this Space Force thing is absolute trash. Thoughts on that, Nick? Well, I'm not going to go line by line through the, the defense budget items, but what I'll say is this. It's funny how it's one of the only things that, both sides can agree on, right? We're, we're supposedly supposedly in this um, ultra-partisan time, right? Where we're mm -hmm. just this very week, in fact, or, or last week, they voted on party lines in the House to impeach the president. And and next month, they'll vote by party lines in the to Senate not. To, to, <laughs> to, not to, to not, right? <laughs> um, because we can't agree on anything, God damn it. And, and, and we're so separated and vitriolic that we just can't get together for anything except for um, imperialism and bombing third world countries, which seems to happen um, year after year. And um, as you said a, a couple of weeks ago about the 
um, you know, the bill to keep the budget, the, bu the government open. The only thing that the politicians agree on is is spending more um, money. And so, you know, I'm not a big fan of um, defense as a libertarian. And so I think a lot of that spending is egregious. If you look at it compared to the other developed nations in the world, it's many, 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 many times what the next one um, is spending. Uh, and, and that's all I'll say about the, the defense budget itself. But there's a bigger issue here, and that's the AOC thing you're talking about. And, and again, I'm going to point to the fourth turning because yes. you're going to see more and more politicians like her, right? Yes. Um, they're just now, we've, and I've talked about this, sorry to sound like a broken record, but they're just now starting to, to come of age and know how the world works and get the experience and the capital needed to run for office. So um, you're going to see a lot more AOCs in the next couple of uh, election cycles. And that's very important because, um, you know, they're going to work to call out some of the things that we're calling out and, then, and that she has called out, right? When the Democrats vote for a spending bill, when they're saying they don't agree with everything the Republicans say, that's hypocritical. Absolutely. Um, and you, that has to be pointed out. And it can't just be business as usual because business as usual has gotten us to where we are. And I don't think a lot of people like that where we are now. Agree. You know what people like? Religious charity. Christmas is coming up. Um, Preach about it, Brother these Nick. Mo <laughs> these motherfuckers. Um <laughs> I mean, Christ, Christ. Oh, hold on. I got to stop you right there. This, this, this is an epic moment. We use the words religious, charity, preach, <laughs> Christ <laughs> with motherfuckers all within like a 10 word combo. That was that was good stuff. That was, Merry Christmas. <laughs> Merry Christmas, everybody. But like I was saying, preach on, Nick. So it's uh, let's start with the Mormons and we'll get them out of the way and then I can turn to my to my favorite to my favorite the Catholics. Um, so the, the Mormons, you know, they they take up they they promote tithing, which is you know giving ten percent of your income to the church, which uh, a lot of Mormons do. And there's a lot of wealthy Mormons. Just think of Mr. Uh, Mitt Romney, for example. Mm -hmm. um, and so this money is quote unquote supposed to go to charity, but of course it can be used for. Um, any church business. And um, we learned last week, it's been pretty much all the latter, um, not used for charity and used primarily for church business, specifically um, that church business being just, just storing and saving a fuck ton of money, like $100 billion the Mormons have put in a fund um, that has not gone to charity. They're just building up a war chest. Um, and somebody blew the whistle that's involved with the management of the funds. And it was in headlines for two days and then it sort of disappeared. Why did it disappear? Um, primarily because they're, they're not doing anything technically illegal, just pretty shitty. Um, you know, they can have all the money they want. They can still be a tax exempt organization. They don't have to use the money for charity. Um, they can just be a rich ass church with a hundred billion dollar fund. And that's totally allowed. So, um, I don't know how religious or pious that is, but it is what it is. That's the, the Mormon story. Um, the Catholics are a bit more juicy, right? The Catholics, <laughs> as they always are, um, have been using this fund called Peter's Peter's Pence, I believe it's called. Um, the, and they've taken 55 million of these dollars from the Peter's Pence Catholic Fund, which is supposed to go to help the poor. And they've been using this money to plug shortfalls in the Vatican's budget to the tune of 55 million dollars. Those motherfuckers, what a Christmas time thing mm. to do. All the while telling people they're collecting money to give this money to the poor. We'll put up a link. And then, late breaking news, although not surprising, there's another Catholic kid fucking scandal. 
Um, but uh, they reported it on a very small scale. I caught it. I caught it. I yep. saw it. If you believe that number, I got a bridge in Brooklyn to sell you people. Yeah, hundreds of kids from the 70s. Um, we'll post up a link. But, you know, I don't want to – I'm not going to get off my rocker. It's the Christmas season. I'm going to go buy some Christmas presents after we get done recording. So I'm not going to rise my uh, raise my blood pressure. But this Catholic organization, folks, it's, um, it's not a good one. They continue to cover up um, priest pedophilia. They continue to move these priests around. They continue to ignore the problem. It's much more widespread than anyone – um, ever thought it continues to happen. There's been little accountability. And now they're also um, covering up what they're doing with funds that they're supposedly raising for the poor and using it for their own um, budget. It's just it's just not a great thing going on in the in the Catholic Church. They should maybe just close all the churches and be an education institution. I'm not sure what the answer is for these guys, but um, How about quit fucking they, raping kids. Yeah, I mean, gosh. You you would think after of, you know, 50 years at the very least of like just unregulated raping of children that you would be able to somewhat contain the problem, isolate it, identify it, and do away with it. Um, so if you can't trust the organization that you hold faith in um, to just not rape, you may want to reconsider people your faith in that organization. I am no one to judge a, and, and, and I don't judge anybody's faith, whatever helps make you a better person. But again, if the organization that you place your faith in can't quit raping, you might want to take a second look at other organizations or not have one. Um, well, and, and that's sort of the, that's sort of the, the, the second part of the story, not directly tied to it, but people are doing that. So, um, out a week or two ago was a big study mm -hmm. by 538 talking about how millennials are leaving religion and, and not coming back. Um, um, those between the ages of 23 and 38 are now as likely to say they have no religion as they are to identify as Christian. Think about that for a second. You could ask 100 millennials, um, are you religious or not? And half will say Christian and half will say no religion. I just distilled that very quickly. But um, and it's because of stuff like this. Like, why would you um, live a quote unquote religious life if the if the religious leaders are raping kids? I mean, I can do a better job of of the golden rule and living a living a good, meaningful, ethical life without having it tied to a church or a religion. And um, after a couple thousand years, everybody else is starting to catch on to that. Agreed. Agreed. Um, little trivia for you. What is the best performing stock market around the world this year thus far? I know we talked about the U.S. being up 28.56% uh, is the number year to date so far. But do you think that is that is the single best performing stock market? Oh, gosh. I mean, that's a lot. If you're doing better than that, it's got to be certainly some kind of record. What is it? It's that social democratic New Zealand. They have a social Democrat prime minister, right? That gets a lot of shit because she, after a massive shooting where I believe some 51 people died, she said, done next day, no more assault weapons, right? We're introducing legislation and we're getting rid of them. Well, that stock market's up 30.3% this year. And here's something that'll surprise you as much. Italy is up nearly 30%. Italy's second, 29.39% year to date. 
I don't know how that's possible. I haven't been keeping up on Italy, though. I should. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's something to put on the radar. Um, last but not least, speaking of radars, I know you wanted to talk about the largest location data warrant ever. Um, this has pretty profound implications. It speaks to what we know our government's done for decades and decades. However, the tools are becoming more effective and targeted. Um, I'll let you go ahead and leave us with that. Nick, because I know we're getting to the to the end of this year. Yeah, so I, I went on a, a rant about this. I think it was the, the last episode or the one before that talking about how you really have to safeguard your data um, and how much data companies are sucking up and how much the government has access to. So um, since I talked about that a week or two ago, I saw a headline that says, um, the feds just conducted the largest reverse location warrant ever. And so what that means is they pick a geographic area um, and then they get all the information from the phones that are in that area. Um, and so in this specific case, they were trying to catch an arsonist. And so they drew a box around um, the area where the um, arsons had taken place and they got um, everyone's phone information that was in that box that they drew. So they ended up just taking information from 1,500 phones. Um, and basically that means they um, spied on and took information from 1,499 innocent people, perhaps 1,500 if the arsonist's phone wasn't in that area when they did it. Um, and so they're just outright taking your data with no cause, right? I mean, uh, typically, they would have to have a warrant to get your specific data to investigate your phone or your metadata or what you're doing. Um, and now, just because there was a crime in the area, they're sweeping everybody's data. And that's like the definition of a slippery slope, right? I mean, that's how um, we go downhill very fast. That's how rights get eroded very fast when we're just blanket collecting data on people that haven't been accused of a crime. And so it's not being talked about. You know, often we say nobody else knows about this or no one else is talking about this when we write about stocks, et cetera, et cetera. But really, um, the wool has been pulled over everyone's eyes here. And we've been um, we're like the frog in the pot of water. Right. And it's almost too late to jump out because this is getting really serious. So I'll post a link. But keep in mind the data and what these what these companies and governments have access to. And again, we talked about it, I think maybe five or six podcasts ago when we mentioned the Edward Snowden interview on the Joe Rogan podcast, which was about a two and a half hour interview, extremely insightful. I recommend it to everybody um, that wants to get a clear picture of just how how nefarious this stuff is, right? But, you know, Edward Snowden talked about how the government's ability to do these random uh, demographic sweeps of, of, of just every phone in that demographic in that area comes comes from an archaic law in the late 70s where the police were looking for it was either a killer or a rapist a bad person right and they 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 went to the phone company and asked for the records of this gentleman and they were denied that um the 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 judge denied the warrant to get the record so they they then went to the phone company directly and said well we're asking you because technically you own the data the individual doesn't so that's how they circumvent the warrant process that case law from the late 70s uh, before all of this technology was 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 developed is what's still the governing law that allows for the government to be able to do this type of shit to you so again speaking back talking about fourth turnings and speaking about aocs and and you know there's going to be a, a right-wing version of that and a libertarian version of that that decides 
we just have to do things differently and things that you know were once law don't have to be sacred. Yes, I know it'll piss people off. The Constitution is not a document that came down from the heavens. It's a beautiful document with a lot of protections, but there's amendments for a reason, right? And I think our laws need to be updated. Um, and that's a way longer conversation than we have time for today because we want to get out of here. Want to wish everybody a Merry Christmas, a Happy New Year's. Nick, any any parting words? No, we got a lot I still want to talk about. I saw some interesting corporate tax avoidance statistics recently. We'll go over them in the next episode. Surprise, surprise. Banks have to pay hundreds of millions of dollars for manipulating the bond market. Nothing has changed in over a decade. Um, we'll talk about that. Um, but until then, enjoy your families. Enjoy whatever food and beverage it is you like to um, enjoy during the holidays. I hope you have some traditions that you like to uh, do with your family and friends and, um, you know, get your tax loss trades in over the next couple of days and enjoy the time with your family. Take a break and, and we'll see you again next week. Well said, Nick. We'll leave with that. I, I have to mention because it, it just hit the, the news while you're here. Tesla is now at 420. So happy 420 day, Tesla shareholders and Elon Musk. All jokes aside, have a merry, merry Christmas holiday. Whatever you celebrate, if you celebrate, if you don't celebrate, have a great day. Have a great week. Um, and yeah, let's get ready for what I think is going to be a very, very profitable 2020 for those of us that, uh, you know, I've been waiting pa patiently for this rebound in the junior resource sector. I think it's coming. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year's, everybody. Episode 49 of Bizarro World in the Books. Funding secured. <laughs> the stock is so high, he tweeted. <laughs> Have a good one, folks.